0: Hey, before we get started, I want to pause for a minute and just kind of pray for our country and for our veterans. And I I would like to ask anyone here at our Newburgh campus, uh, the chapel, the West Campus, if you have ever served, are serving, or going to serve in the military, would you and your family kind of stand up for a second? Let me pray for you. Let us pray for you here. Yes. Amen. Come on, guys. Stand up. Ladies. Guys and ladies. Amen amen we want to thank all of you guys thank you so much for all you do I want to pray for you father i i thank you so much god for this country we are so blessed we didn't do anything to deserve to be born here we just were god and we're just grateful we're grateful for this amazing country we're grateful for these men and women who um have kept us safe are keeping us safe will keep us safe god what a blessing they are I pray that you would cover them with the blood of Jesus. I protect that you would. I pray, God, that you would you would protect their hearts, their minds, their bodies, their souls, and that of their families as well. God, thank you so much. And God, as always, this morning, we ask that the Holy Spirit would come and fill us and speak. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. God bless. Thank you, guys. You guys can be seated everywhere. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right, I want to welcome everybody here on our Newburgh campus, our West Campus Facebook Live. Um, guys, I, I have to tell you that I am absolutely loving the cold weather. I am loving Indiana at this time of the year. I have forgotten how beautiful it is to just drive down the street and see all those colored leaves. That is amazing. Um, I got to tell you that I, I'm, not, I'm not just praying for a white Christmas. I'm praying for a white Thanksgiving. Any, anybody else with me? And amen. And, and here's the deal. If it does snow and you crash your car, do not blame me. Okay, that, that's your driving, not my praying. Um, <laughs> I have a goal today. I have a goal this morning. If you're the guy that takes notes, the lady that jots it all down, one through four, my wife does that, you, you might be a little disappointed in me today because it, it's not going to be that message. In fact, I, w- I would rather maybe than be professional, I'd rather be just a little personal this morning. I want us to kind of look at the Word of God afresh and anew, and I want us to answer this question. Can the godly be around the ungodly? We're we're finishing up this neighborhood series this morning, and I want you to literally consider this. Maybe, you know, sometimes when Jesus would speak to a crowd, he would say things that would just kind of blow their mind. He, He was turning worlds upside down. Can the godly be comfortable around the ungodly? Let me define those terms because because sometimes you can't tell the godly from the ungodly. I mean, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. We know that. But what I mean by that is can the Christian, the person who loves the Lord, is seeking a relationship with Christ, be comfortable around the person that perhaps has, has no relationship with Christ? Maybe they're good people. Maybe they're not good people but they're not Christians. Can the godly be comfortable around the ungodly? You see, loving your neighbor is not a lifestyle, or rather it is a lifestyle. It's not just a checklist. What kind of lifestyle is it? What's it like to be your neighbor? Are you the light of your neighborhood? If I were your neighbor, would I want to hang out with you? Do you exude peace? Do you have such a good time that people want to be around you, uh, my wife and I. Uh, my wife is from Florida. I moved from Kentucky. Eventually, met my wife, got married, um, went, moved back to Kentucky to 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 get my master's degree. And the first Sunday that we were there, we went to this, this little church, and there was just something about it that was just like there was no presence of the Spirit. It was, it was very stifling. And, and, and my wife likes to fellowship. And after the service was done, I said, Hun, if you stop to talk to anybody, I will text you what restaurant I'm at. I mean, I, I just want out of here. And, and, I, and I, we made a beeline out of that little church. And it really, the only reason we went was it, it was sitting over this lake, it was absolutely gorgeous. So we go to this restaurant. in Louisville, Kentucky, and there are these four couples, and they are having a blast. They're at lunch. You can tell they've been to church, and I looked at my wife, and I said, I want to go to church where they go to church. I mean, they didn't look like somebody shot their dog like so many Christians do. How are you? I'm hanging in there. You know, it wasn't like that. It was like, they were like, I said, I want to go. So I walked over. I said, where do y'all go to church? They said, Southeast Christian Church, and I said, that's where we'll be next Sunday. And we were there. And by the way, that's where I met Patrick and the family and started this whole new world with God. I, 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 wanna, I want to exude a good time. I want people in my neighborhood to feel, to see the fruit of the Spirit oozing out of me. Well, What's the fruit of the Spirit? Those are the five signs that show you belong to Jesus. And Paul lays them out in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, Paul says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. There is no law against these things. Have you ever just with your neighbors found that you need to practice a little bit of gentleness, a little bit of peace, a little bit of self control? If I were your neighbor, would I experience love, joy, peace, patience? Would that be a part of who you are? Are you comfortable being around the uncomfortable? Are you comfortable being around the comfortable? Can the godly be comfortable around the ungodly? That's a question that we need to wrestle with and we need to answer. Now, this is not some condemnation message. I'm not out to make you hate yourself or help you come to grips with some glaring failure. That's, that's not at all what I'm out for. I just I want to stretch us just a little bit in, in our way of thinking. I know that we're all God's masterpiece, but where are we in the process of looking like that masterpiece to the world around us would I wanna be your neighbor. If I have a party if at my house, are you okay with someone parking out in front of your house for the evening or even for the night? That's a big deal, isn't it? I, I'm going to throw my age out here, but if you've ever seen Bewitched, there was this neighbor called Gladys Kravitz, and she would always look out the window and go, ah, nah, yell at her husband, look what they're doing across the street. When somebody parks in front of my house, I become that person. I'm looking out the blinds. Did they move yet? Did they move yet? Do they know I live here? That's my house why are they parking in front of them? Oh my gosh, they've been out there for hours. You know, I literally parked in an apartment complex once, one space over, didn't realize I did it. When I walked out, somebody had taken white shoe polish and written on my windshield, this is not a parking space. Was that you? I mean, is that something that you maybe you didn't do, but you want to do? Do you pray for the family with young kids on your block or are you annoyed because you just want peace and quiet and that's not what defines them my neighbors next door have five children and i am desperately trying to build a relationship with them because they have a hill that's perfect for sledding (laughs) he thought i was going to say because i want to lead him to jesus that's part of it but (laughs) they have this huge hill that's just perfect for sledding I mean, they put out the plastic over the summer and put, you know, like soap on it and did a slip and slide. And I'm like, I want to be your friends. And that's okay, man. I'm telling you, when you really get to know your neighbors, there's a lot of give and take. There's some messiness, but there's joy. Are you the guy who makes sure your dog doesn't bark late at night or early in the morning because you care about the people around you? Or are you the person who doesn't be care, care because you don't hear anything? By the way, don't, don't be that person. Stop your dog from barking. I had a dog that would bark every morning, one of our neighbors. And I finally, one morning, got up, went over, it, knocked on the door. I said, ma'am, your dog woke me up. And she goes, oh, when, does she, when was she barking? And I looked at her and I said, every single day. <laughs> don't, don't be that person maybe you're the person who waits about two months to write a subtle but condemning letter to the people who just moved in let me let me illustrate this you'll notice that this letter was made up to the kyle family residence that is my last name i got this letter in the mail about two months after i'd been at my beautiful wonderful home in newburgh perhaps your realtor which by the way goes to our church elaine sellers thank you so much fail to inform you of the subdivision bylaws, stating that every property owner shall provide off-street parking of their vehicles. As property owners of many years, we have never had to address this situation. Let me interpret, we've never dealt with such white trash in our entire lives as you and your family. My daughter said, Dad, what if she comes to our church? I said, well, then she's gonna find out we're buying another car and pretty soon there's gonna be two cars parked on the street. (laughs) In order for all of us to maintain our property values, we all need to keep our property free of clutter and around our homes. Also, we would appreciate keeping garbage cans out of sight of your neighbors. Your cooperation will be greatly appreciated. If she knew I was from Kentucky, she ought to be surprised there's not an engine hanging from a tree. That is an actual letter that I received. And I want to be this light. I, I called him up and I left a message. There are no associational bylaws. They're not there. But there used to be like 20 years ago, but they're long since have expired. And I called and I said, hey, guys, I said, listen, first off, my lawn's immaculate. It really is. I'm OCD. I said, I don't know what you mean by that. But, but the cars, they're going to stay parked in the street. But as far as the garbage cans, we've got friends who have stuff stored in there. But as of January, you know what? We're going to drag those garbage cans into the garage. I've never had to do that before. They're at the side of the house. But I, I want to be the type of neighbor that cooperates. I want to be the type of neighbor that doesn't say, that's ridiculous, but rather, okay, how can I help? Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. Let me say that again because I wonder what Jesus meant when he looked at the world around him, the chosen people, and said, You are the light of the world. I think he meant, You are the light of the world. Are you? Are you the light? Uh, Sharon Street or whatever avenue you live on. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way let your good deeds shine for out for all. All to see. Not just the saved but the unsaved alike. Not just the godly but the ungodly alike. So that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Christ himself has called me and you to be the light of the world. Maybe not the whole world. Maybe you're not concerned with what goes on in Afghanistan. Maybe you are if you're going there, but certainly of your world. Jesus wants to hold us up as a perfect example of what it means to be a light in the darkness. I did not say he wants to hold you up as being perfect. If you can't minister until you're perfect, then we will never minister. It's not about being perfect, but it is about being faithful. The fruit of the spirit should be pouring out of us onto everyone we come in contact with. You bump into me, love and peace and joy and gentleness and grace. It ought to pour out on you, because, folks, I got to tell you, in order to be light in the darkness, we have to be around the darkness. In order to be light in the darkness, we have to be around the darkness. You don't need to turn a flashlight on in a bright room. Can the godly be comfortable around the ungodly? Loving your neighbor is a lifestyle, not a checklist. Are you comfortable being around the uncomfortable? As people who know Jesus, we're called to react in any given situation the way Christ would react, or, or at least in the way that Christ would want us to react. Let's glance back at our illustration that Christ uses to define what a, a good neighbor is, and also <clears throat> what a bad neighbor is. Never thought about that, but he defines a bad neighbor in Luke chapter 10, too. look at this. Jesus replied with a story, a story about what, who's my neighbor. He says a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and left him half dead on the side of the road by chance. I want to key in on this just a little bit in a second here. By chance. A priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed on the other side. This guy has been robbed and beaten. In fact, he's been beaten so badly that the thieves just thought he was going to die. I mean, this dude is literally hurting. He is in need. And Jesus says, by chance... A priest came along. A temple assistant walked over. It's almost as if Jesus was issuing hope for the hurt guy. A pastor walked by. Yes! We get that they were, they were the Christians of the day. Basically, you have a pastor and a solid church member, a key volunteer, folks who had been church for years. These were the guys who were supposed to care. They were literally God's chosen people. And Jesus says, by chance... Almost as if, he, as if to say, there's hope. The Christians are here. The guy's safe. But the, the Christians, they didn't help at all. You see, from the beginning of time, God's people have been chosen and set aside so that they could be a shining light in the world around them. But the chosen often key in on the set aside aspect of the relationship with God. that We get really prideful about it. We get this mindset that I'm holy and I'm righteous so that I'm better than you. In fact, even being around you makes me dirty and diminishes my life. The, the, the priest and the temple assistant fully believed that the godly had no place being amongst the ungodly. I can't hang out with that homosexual couple. I can't homo- hang out with that alternative lifestyle people. I can't hang out with that person who, who votes in this direction because it would diminish my light. Whereas nothing, nothing could be more wrong than that. Those are the people that we're supposed to hang out with because in order to be the light in the darkness, you have to be around the darkness loving my neighbor is a lifestyle but it's a messy lifestyle we must be comfortable around the uncomfortable the godly must the godly must be found amongst the ungodly who who else is going to do if we break off into holy huddles, I'm too holy, I'm too righteous, I need to be safe. Well, then who is Jesus going to send? I guarantee he's looking around going, well, who else then can I send? When that happens, we will find them amongst us here at church. Jesus began this story in Luke chapter 10 by asking a Jewish lawyer what the Old Testament said about how to be saved. Luke ten twenty-seven. the man answered you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Look at Jesus' reply. Right! I didn't add the emphasis. That's in the Greek. Right! Jesus told him, do this, and you will live. And, the word, and by the way, the word live here means to, to have a life worth living, uh, an adventure worth being on. I am so sick and tired of watching those movies or those shows, and by that I mean Hallmark, where they're always like saying, you know, like, uh, um, what's my purpose in life? To lead other people to Jesus. To look just, I don't think I have a purpose in life. To glorify God. That's your purpose in life. That's everybody's purpose in life. But the way we glorify God is by taking light to a dark world. Jesus said, you do that, and oh my gosh. Oh, you have a life worth living. This guy was specifically asking Jesus about eternal life, but Jesus was helping him see that he could start an amazing, impacting, righteous, glorious, eternal life right now. How? Just by loving everyone around him the same way he loved God. Man, Jesus said, Man, you start doing that, whoop, you'll start living. Judge them by the color. Don't hate them because of their alternative lifestyle. Don't avoid them because you're afraid their sin will wash off on you. Your righteousness is supposed to wash off on them. Turn the light on in a dark life. Do this and you will live. Again, I know I'm stretching something. Here's the truth. If I hate someone who doesn't know Jesus, it is as wrong as hating Jesus because remember that he loved the people in the world enough to die for them while they were still sinners. Think about this Are all of your friends Christians, godly people who love the Lord? Jesus worked. Is your calendar filled with wonderful, uplifting, spiritual events? I've got this musical thing to do. I've got this Christmas party. My small group's doing this. I'm going to be at church. Is your calendar filled with wonderful, uplifting, spiritual events? Because Jesus wasn't. And the religious leaders of the day hated and judged him because of who he hung out with. Luke chapter 15, look at this. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners i was going to fill in some of your names but i thought that might be a little much (laughs) tax collectors and other notorious sinners i mean people knew who they were man when they walked in oh my gosh it's her oh my gosh you know what he did Often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law, the Christians of the day, complain that he was associating with such sinful people. Oh my gosh, he's even eating with them. Do you? What's the last time you had lunch with a notorious sinner? And I'm not talking about your spouse. <laughs> What's the last time you ate with that just? alternative lifestyle family man just that guy when's the last time you did that because you know what in, in the Jewish culture if you ate with somebody it said I love you and I accept you man Jesus said do this and you will live you and I might need to start hanging out with more notorious sinners if all you know is Christians then something is desperately wrong with your christianity Or mine. You and I might need to start hanging around with more notorious sinners. People just don't look, act, or think like we do. Because in order to be light in the darkness, you have to be in the darkness. And we're so afraid. Oh, what if I go over there and I get influenced? Influenced? Let's be the light of our neighbors, our jobs, and our schools. Let's get comfortable being around the uncomfortable. Not only can the godly be amongst the ungodly, but Jesus himself hung out with the ungodly. We must look everyone around as our neighbors with the same love and respect that we show God, even if, and especially if they're far from God. Hey, let me, you need to to love that guy or girl at the office that can't open their mouth without swear words pouring out. If the joke's funny and not dirty, laugh at it. I can't associate with you. People will see me. Let me tell you something. When I, when I was in Simi, I, I would be sitting at, at tables at Starbucks outside, this one particular area, with notorious sinners, drug dealers, drug users, guys in and out of jail, gangbangers. And I want to tell you that I had this incredible, uh, forgive me, Lord, sense of pride to be allowed to be around them. I would have church members walk by like, dude. You know, I would have police officers walk by like, that's sketchy. But I wanted to be just like Jesus. And when I read the Bible, those are the people that Jesus was hanging out with. You show me in the Bible where I'm wrong. You show me in the Bible, you, you, you walk up at a time when Jesus said, man, don't hang around with those folks. Jesus was always with those folks. You and I are called to love that openly gay couple that live next door. Love them, smile at them, feed them, invite them to the bur- I want to smile and love and engage the Muslim that frequents my Starbucks. Why? Because Jesus loves them. While we were yet sinners, Christ came and died. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Man, if we all loved them the same way that we showed them the same love that our heavenly father showed us. Look, I'm not saying that you love what they do. Make no mistake about that. I I, I had this particular girl that would come every monday night to my house and she was openly homosexual would often come with her partner and she would come to our house well one monday night she just happened to not be there and the scripture talked about homosexuality and i believe the bible condemns that as a sin and i said that and she came the next week and she said pastor rick i don't i heard what you said last monday i said "Uh uh-huh she said i don't like what you said i said i don't care I stand on the word of God and I preach the word of God. I said, but let me ask you a question. When you walked in my door, did I hug you? Yes, you did. Did I kiss you on top of your head? Yes, you did. Did I feed you? Yes, you did. Do I love you with all my heart and soul? Yes, you do. Well, don't expect me to love your sin, but I sure love you. Now, that does not mean when somebody walks into your door, you say, here are the sins that you do. I don't love those, but I love you. I had earned that. I had fed her, she had been in my house many times, we had gone to Starbucks, I had led her to cry. I'm not the one who's supposed to convict the world of sin and unrighteousness, that is not in the Bible. That is the Holy Spirit's job. I have two commandments, love God and love people. I'm to love my neighbor as much as I love God and myself. Remember Jesus' words, do this and you will live? Folks, I got to tell you, there are a lot of people in the church world who would have gossiped about Jesus and felt like maybe He was just a little unholy. Can you hear it? How about John chapter four? Did you hear that Jesus? What Jesus did at that party in Canaan? He turned water into wine. Wine? Can you believe that? I can. Can you not hear people saying that to you? You got those friends, don't you? You not hear them? And it's so wrong. People were drunk there. I would have never gone to that party. Jesus did. He just will turn the water into the wine. You know that guy who works for the Roman IRS, Zacchaeus, that guy who steals our money blind, that guy who takes advantages and rips us off? Well, I heard that Jesus went to his house for dinner. He was eating with them, Luke chapter 19. You know that filthy girl who runs around with every guy in town, that trashy one? Well, Jesus let her come to his party and even let him, her wipe his feet with her tears. I wouldn't let that girl in my house, let alone touch her, let her alone let her touch me. Guess what? Luke chapter seven, Jesus did. Would you have gone to those parties? No, I'm too pure, I'm too righteous, I'm too holy. Would you have spent time talking with that girl who was dressed more like a prostitute than a Sunday school teacher? Because Jesus did. You see, looking like Jesus isn't hanging out in church and small groups or Bible studies. Those things are super important, but they are only meant to fuel you to go back into a dark world. Holy huddles are absolutely 100% useless if they're not producing holy action. If you have been in a Bible study, a church for one, two, three, four, five, 30 years and aren't about taking the gospel to the dark world and aren't about being a light in the dark world, then something is drastically wrong with your Christianity. Drastically wrong. Jesus doesn't love you more because you sit in holy huddles. He did not call you to come and sit. He said, go into all of the world and make disciples. Think about this. God so loved the world that he sent his son into it. You know how much he loves the world now? He's sending you into it. I'm not trying to offend, but what does looking like Jesus really mean? It means being at crazy parties that are messy. That's what Jesus really looked like. If you read the New Testament, that's what he really looked like. And the Christians of that day hated his guts for that, enough to kill him. It's inviting neighbors over for dinner that look nothing at all like Jesus. It's having people look at you and say, why do you care so much about me when you know who I really am? People who already knew, knew know Jesus don't need you or me to be lights that lead them to Jesus. They are the lights. Maybe it's time to stop just being fed and start feeding. If you walk up to me and say, I'm not being fed, I'm going to say, then you must be so full that you are leading hundreds to Christ. If you walk up to me and say, I'm leaving because I'm not being fed, I'm going to say, when's the last time you led somebody to Jesus and where are you serving? And if you can't answer those questions, that's not the church's problem. That's yours. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teaching about Christ and being taken forward to maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Instruction about cleansing rites, The laying on of hands. The resurrection of the dead. Eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. You know what he's saying? God permitting, we will move beyond being taught and become teachers. Paul was sown in half. Peter was crucified upside down. John was boiled in oil. James was stoned. Do you think they would care what type of music we listen to in this church, how comfortable the pews are, what the decimal level is? If you walked up and complained to them, they would say, I'm sorry, I was sewn in half. I was boiled in oil. Do you know what that felt like? But all I cared about was leading other people to Jesus. I wasn't concerned about how comfortable I was. I was concerned with how comfortable they were. Don't walk up to me and whine, walk up to me and shine. You walk up to me and tell me like a couple in there, hey, we're taking my, my granddaughter in because she's suffering from drugs. They look just like Jesus. Hey, we're, we're going over here to do this because there's a great need over there. We're adopting kids because they look just like Jesus. The writer of Hebrews was saying, "God permitting, we will move beyond being taught. It is not about the 99. The 99's entire purpose. Why do I exist to lead other people to Jesus? To be a shining light in the dark world? What if, what if we really did that? What if we really looked like Jesus?" What if we love people in the little world around us the same way that God loved us because he loves them the way he loves us? My guess is that it would open up conversations. It would lead to opportunities to hear what's going on in their lives. It would lead to the ability to say things like, hey, you should check out my church. That's a place where you can go and find the love of Jesus. I was coming home from Nolan Lake uh, early, early, early Saturday morning and I was texting this person, and I'd love to tell you I pulled over to text them, but that would be a lie. So I was voice texting them. And it was an 18-year-old girl in California who just is battling, has been battling with alcoholism since I, I met her when she was about 14 years old. And she sent me a text that said, hey, I'm, I, I'm really, I'm really hurting, Pastor Rick, and I miss you. Would you pray for me? And God would not leave me alone about her. And I texted her this long text that said, I need to tell you something because God won't leave me alone. I need to tell you that God loves you whether you're sober or drunk. I I, I need to tell you that God loves you whether you look just like Jesus or nothing like Jesus, that he wants to drown you in an ocean of love because that's what grace is. And you are his precious daughter. And there's nothing you can do to change that. That, that's the truth. And that's how God feels about the world around us. And we need to start. I, I, if I hadn't gone into the darkness, I would have never met this precious little girl. I, I meet so many beautiful, precious, amazing people in the darkness. Sometimes I have to pray, God, rescue me from the light. I'm looking for opportunities to say, you know what you need in your story? You need Jesus. Let me tell you about him if we stick our fingers in our ears every time somebody dares to cough, then we're saying, look, I'm too holy to be around you. If we look at a homosexual person or anyone who leads an alternative lifestyle and think, I'm sorry, but your lifestyle is so wrong that I can't be around you, then we are communicating a lie. We are communicating that Jesus would have never come to die for you and never hung out with you, and I'm not going to either. But those are not only the exact people that Jesus would have hung out with, they are the people he did hang out with. In short, he would have hung out with you and me. We are chosen to be a shining light to the world around us, to live in a way that communicates that we represent a God that has a place and a home and a heart for everybody. Folks, loving your neighbor is a lifestyle. It's not a checklist. Uh, The godly must take God to those who are far from them. We must go to them. If we don't, who will? If we don't bring the light into the darkness, who will? First, God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son on the cross to die for it. Now he loves the world so much that he's sending me and you. I saw Paul Lingy, our executive pastor, out in the hallway early this morning. I love Paul. One of the most gracious, humble, godly men. And he said, Rick, he said, I was at this conference this weekend and the Lord kept laying on my heart that to tell you that you were to go into the streets and lead people to Jesus. And I, thought, and I said to him, Paul, I want to go in the streets, but I want to take everybody with me. It's a radical truth, but it shouldn't be. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 5, you are the light of of the world are you holy huddles are great church is amazing small groups are important but their only, only, only job is to be a filling station you walk in, you're on empty You, they put that in your tank they pull that handle up they fill you up and you're off again into a dark world man. you are the light of the world do this And you will live. Let me pray. Father, we love you and worship and praise you. God, I love these people. I love them whether they're whining or shining, whether they're light or bright or dark and dim. I love them, and you do too. I'm not the judge. I'm not the one who convicts of sin and unrighteousness. I'm just called to love them, and that is the easiest job in the world, and I thank you, God, for the privilege of doing it. I love this state, I love Indiana, I love how beautiful and warm and friendly it is. I love it and I thank you for it. Oh, Father, we wanna be your army. We want the people on our block to know exactly what Jesus looks like, to experience love and grace and peace and gentleness because we look so much like Jesus. Father, give us that ability, call us, equip us, and then Send us, and oh my God, might we go. For we ask it in Christ's name, amen.